With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Today, there are no rules. Well, th there is one rule. Matt Rule is joining the program today. We sat down with him earlier in the week, yesterday that is, just drop some knowledge on us. I'm telling y'all, this was an interview that you're going to want to make sure you're locked and loaded for. Welcome into the hard count. This is, of course, the people's show. For those of you that are new, welcome. We talk college football here every single day. Twice a week, we are live on this beautiful platform that is the On3 YouTube channel. If you haven't yet subscribed, we'd love to have you along for the ride. But like I said, Matt Rule joining the program here in just a few minutes. Very excited to talk about that with y'all. Very excited to show you that conversation. Notre Dame is making some movements. I believe they're just a few moments away from this becoming official, but it looks like they are about to hire internally Jared Parker, who was the uh, tight ends coach, not the OC. He's going to be the OC. And there's more to that story. We'll talk about that in its entirety. Also, the Big Ten, we got Matt Rule joining the show. Might as well give you some power rankings to go along with that. Now, again, these are pre-spring power rankings. These are not predictions of final standings. They're just sort of taking a temperature as we see the Big Ten rolling into spring practices because it's just a few weeks away, inside of a month for most of these programs. Excited to talk about that with y'all. And then on the topic of offensive coordinators, since you and I last got to have a conversation live, Georgia both lost and then hired an OC in the span of what, like 15 minutes? That thing was teed up, I believe. Todd Munkin obviously taking the offensive coordinator, coordinator job in Baltimore with the Ravens. Enter into the OC chair, Mike Bobo. Now, Mike Bobo has been the OC at Georgia before. There is some mixed opinions on him becoming the new play caller again in Athens. Going to give you my thoughts on that. Georgia fans, just sit tight. But at the end of this whole thing, you know how we get down on here. You join the show. Nick Brick, keeper of the queue. Going to jump on the mic. We're going to take some of your questions that you have submitted to me via my Twitter page, at J.D. Piquel. Again, you can follow me there. You can follow me on Instagram, at J.D. Piquel. Just a great medium for us to interact with you because, again, this is the people's show. And we would not be the people's show if we did not involve the people into the show. So without further ado, let's get after it. Jared Parker is expected to be the new offensive coordinator for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. And this hire itself, if you were to silo it, isn't super surprising. It's not a super eyebrow-raising hire. You say, okay, that's great. Went internally, went with someone Marcus Freeman trusts. You keep continuity of culture. You think continuity in direction of the offense. But there, there's much more to this hire. There is much more that goes along with this, which is why some Notre Dame fans read this headline, and just felt a little bit disgruntled. Let's set the table a little bit. For those of you that have been keeping track, Andy Ludwig was seen at a hockey game with Marcus Freeman. Now, Andy Ludwig was and still is the offensive coordinator for the University of Utah. And anytime you're seen with a potential candidate or prospective hire for a certain position in a very public setting, that lets everybody know unofficially, hey, we have got our guy. And we feel good enough about potentially hiring this guy. We feel good about this deal getting done that we feel good about being in a public setting where everybody can see us. Okay, you're all reading between the lines here. Well, as that story wears on, there was a buyout involved with Andy Ludwig that Notre Dame knew about right around $2.8 million. And there's a great article out right now on The Athletic where it talks about Notre Dame knowing about that buyout, but hoping and believing they could negotiate with Utah. Now, Utah, it's hard to blame them. They're like, hey, we got a good OC, and you're going to have to come pay full price if you want to take him from us. So Notre Dame, as the story goes, sort of cooled it a little bit, sort of bowed out of contention to land Andy Ludwig. Now, that's frustrating. 
It's very frustrating for Notre Dame Fighting Irish fan because essentially that sends the message, hey, you don't care enough, if you're the administration, about our football program, about our product, about supporting Marcus Freeman, enough to go and get him the OC that he desires. That's attainable. And here's the other piece of that. Everybody that you're competing with on the national landscape, if your goal is to win national championships and to compete for the college football playoff and do phenomenal things on a national landscape, I promise you, they're willing to make that buyout to get their OC. They're willing to invest what they need to invest to get their coaches, to get their staff situated. College football is very much so about more than just recruiting. We'll talk about that in a second, but it's not just about getting the best players on campus. That's a huge part of it, but you got to be willing to support your program from a resources standpoint as well. And for Notre Dame, refusing to do this, Again, it just goes back to that narrative. Do you care enough? It's cool to care. It's cool to say that we want to win national titles. We have this tradition, this prestige. It's cool. But will you put your money where your mouth is? You can only measure the value of something, the value that someone places on something by the level of inconvenience they're willing to endure to support it. So I got more thoughts on this. But if you have not yet subscribed, we've had a ton of y'all join the party recently. Tons of new listeners on podcast, both on Apple and Spotify. Tons of new watchers on YouTube. We appreciate y'all rocking with us. If you have not yet subscribed, go ahead and lock it in. Join the party. Give us your verbal commitment. We'd love to have you a part of this. Now, I don't think that Notre Dame offensively is in a bad spot with Jared Parker. Like to me, 2023 can be very, very much so fine, which is maybe sort of a tough thing to hear right now. The words fine when you got Sam Hartman coming in, you got all the pieces coming back in your backfield, you got an offensive line that's tooled up and ready to go. But you can be fine in 2023 for reasons that I just said. There's a ton of talent. I don't think that there is going to be a total change in philosophy offensively. Still going to be physical, still going to try and put players in position to succeed from a, a playmaking standpoint, and you still have a very proven, perhaps one of the most proven commodities at quarterback in a long time for Notre Dame in Sam Hartman as he's transferred in to South Bend. So 2023 is going to be fine. Like, I think you can still accomplish all that you want to accomplish. It's not like Jared Parker is just taking the sticks over as an offensive coordinator. He's never done it before. He's, he's, he's had play calling experience before. This is not his first time in the saddle. And whether it's I don't know if I want to say true, depending on how much you want to read into reports about how his interview went. It sounds like he crushed the interview process. Now, he was the third choice behind Colin Klein and Andy Ludwig, so take of that as you will. But when it comes to sitting down, having a conversation with the head coach, having that interview, passed with flying colors, is the report. Now, would you have heard differently if that wasn't the case? I have a hard time believing that. But if we're going to take Coach Freeman and we're going to take the press at their word, We'll roll with that. Also, you hired Gino Gadouli as your quarterback's coach. And the silver lining here for me is he coached Desmond Ritter at Cincinnati. Desmond Ritter came to Cincinnati as a three-star recruit and is now obviously an NFL quarterback. So there's some pieces here along with this staff with Jared Parker that could allow you to be successful. Again, 2023 is not my concern. Notre Dame, to me, will look very similar to how they did last year from a direction standpoint. The play calling may look different a little bit. The scheme may look minutely different. I don't expect a ton of change. But the direction of the offense with we're going to be physical, we're going to let our quarterback deal it because we have a proven quarterback, Like I think that's going to be the flavor that you expected before Jared Parker got the sticks. It's the expectation you can have now with him, again, reportedly being set to become your offensive coordinator. So here's the bigger issue, and I don't want to beat a dead horse, but we have to talk about this. Marcus Freeman, before last year, had never been a head coach before. He's not even 40 years old. At Notre Dame, my concern is that we won't ever get to have an accurate perception of what he can be as a head coach. Because how many of you know this? As a head coach, you can recruit your tail off and you can coach with the best of them from an X's and O's standpoint. But if you don't have the support from your school to assemble your staff, it's all for naught. A head coach is a face of a program. He's a CEO. He manages the whole operation. 
but your staff is where the X's and O's, where the coaching gets done. That's what the great programs have. We just saw Todd, Mun Todd Munkin leave Georgia, and we saw what he did for that offense at Georgia. And Kirby Smart's incredible. Kirby Smart is one of the best, the best in the game right now if we're going to take the sample size of the last two years. But without Todd Munkin, I don't know if they go back to back. Again, that's a whole other conversation. But I'm saying that to emphasize that your staff as a head coach really is what allows you to be successful. And for Notre Dame, if you want to find out the kind of coach that Marcus Freeman can be, you got to support him. I said the same thing on a previous video. I can't give you ground beef and then expect you to come back with a ribeye. I can't expect Marcus Freeman to go and win national titles and give him his third choice OC. Okay, that can't be the world we're living in if we're Marcus Freeman and we're Notre Dame fighting Irish fans. So Jared Parker, again, is expected to be the next OC in South Bend. I think 2023, you're fine. The precedent this sets for me, though, for Marcus Freeman going forward, I'm concerned a little bit. If this is how we're going to treat our first OC higher, what's it going to look like when I need more resources for something else in the future? I'm concerned, but 2023, I think it's fair to be optimistic. So again, Jared Parker set to call plays Notre Dame in 2023. Now, the moment that I know that y'all have all been very patiently waiting for and that a lot of y'all have jumped in the queue for, Coach Matt Rule and I got to sit down and just chop it up. And for those of you that, that know a little bit about my story, I was in Waco, Texas, grad transferred from Cornell and got a walk-on spot to go to Baylor. So to give you sort of the long story short, I got too many concussions, had to stop playing ball. And so my last thing I did as an athlete before becoming what they call a NARP, a non-athletic regular person, I had to sit down with Coach Rule, look him face to face and say, Coach, I think I'm done. I got to take a step away. So this was a really cool full circle moment for me to have Coach Rule on the show. And he just dropped some knowledge talking about culture, talking about why Nebraska was the job for him. I promise you. He really peeled back the curtain for us. We're very grateful to Coach Rule for doing so. So without further ado, here's the interview with Coach Rule. Hope you all enjoy. And we are now joined by the head coach of Nebraska football, Coach Matt Rule. Coach, appreciate you joining us. How are we doing? I'm really well. I'm really well. Thanks for having me on. This is awesome. Oh, absolutely. 100%. Appreciate you joining us. Now, I know you're, you're a Northeast guy from New York, went to Penn State. It's, it's been a little bit, though, since you've been in the colder temperatures. You were at Baylor and you were at Carolina. Are, are you reacclimating now? I saw the high is like 32 degrees in, in Nebraska today. You know, at, at a young age, I learned just to get a really nice coat. <laughs> and so <laughs> I have a good coat. And, uh, you know, I, I do like the cold air sometimes hitting in the face. It, it kind of keeps you awake, keeps you alive. Um, so I'm, I'm enjoying uh, those types of days. Now, Coach, what was it about Nebraska that made it the job for you? Because there was going to be no shortage of suitors for your services. What was it about Lincoln? What was it about the university that made it your next job? You know, I think there's probably three things. I think number one was the leadership here, uh, Trev Alberts, uh, Admiral Ted Carter. When I talked to them, they were the questions they asked were the things I care about, player development, uh, being tough, being physical, um, kids going to class, kids getting, you know, a, a better life for having been here. So it told me that, you know, their mindset, the things they believed in were the most important. I, I think number two, what Nebraska fans want, the style they want, playing defense, playing special teams, running the football, that, that's who I am. And so, uh, you know, sometimes it's hard to fit a square, square peg into a round hole. So I, I wanted to go somewhere that believed in the style of football that I believe in. And, you know, J.D., I'll tell you this, man, it's like, it's one thing to go to a place and try to take it somewhere it's never been. As I sit here in my office, I can see the national championship ball right there. You know, uh, uh, you know, they've been to five, they've won five national championships. So we're not trying to take Nebraska somewhere it's never been. We just want to get it back to a place that we believe it rightly deserves to be at. And y'all right now in the middle of winter workouts, I call it like the paying dues portion of the year if you're a college football player. And someone told me once, if you don't like college football as a player, you find out really quickly in winter workouts, you learn a lot about yourself. What have you learned about your team so far through the winter conditioning phase? That they like to work. Um, they'll do what you ask them to do. Uh, they've been great in terms of the, the weightlifting. They've been great in terms of the workouts. Um, they're attacking our mat drill portion. Uh, they, they're, they're at mandatory breakfast. They're at dinner every night. Um, they want to be good. Uh, they want to win. And 
that's that's all I care about. I mean, if someone really wants to do it and they'll put the time and the effort in, then then you know what, we have a real chance. It's a crowded quarterback room. You got Casey Thompson, Jeff Sims. What was your first impressions of those guys in that room, and what's it going to take to start at quarterback for Nebraska in 2023? Well, I, I think we want a leader. We want someone that has, like, the it factor. And you know what? We want someone who's going to protect the football. Uh, we want to be aggressive, explosive, push the ball down the field. But we want someone who understands that we can't win if we don't protect the football. Um, you know, watching the film, Casey's an excellent player. He's done a lot of great things. I knew Jeff from, um, you know, uh, my time at uh, Baylor watching my good friend Jeff Collins, who was the head coach at Georgia Tech. I believe, you know, he, he's got a lot of potential. And, um, you know, we have some other guys in that room, Chubba Purdy, Richard Torres, Heinrich Harburg. These guys are talented guys. And so um, I don't think you can ever have enough good players at quarterback. And uh, uh, we're going we're gonna to let those guys go out there, show what they can do, and, and go compete it out. And obviously, whoever it is behind center will have an enormous hand in the record this year for Nebraska. But when you look at this job compared to Baylor and Temple, how does the turnaround effort, so to speak, compare to those situations when you took it over? Well, I think, you know, I went into some unique situations. Temple, I had been there before I came back. But, you know, we were making a step up in conference. And so there were some challenges there. Uh, Baylor, when I got there, you know, coming off a scandal, there were some real challenges there roster-wise. I think this is a, a much healthier situation. Um, you know, they won four games last year. They had a lead going into the fourth quarter and four other games. And so uh, to me, this is about us coming in, establishing sort of the way that we do things, our process. But there's been a lot of buy-in from the guys so far. Um, they want to win. They've been close. They really want to get it done. And so uh, I'm excited to get out there. You know, as you said, this we're, we're challenging them this winter. But they seem to like it. And that, that's all I care about. We'll get to spring football and, uh, see, you know, see who loves to play the game. And coach, having been in your program for what felt like a cup of coffee, that's one thing I've really tried to communicate to our viewers. Like, hey, process, culture, that, that's paramount with Coach Rule and, and how he's going to run his ship. How would you define the culture and the identity of a Nebraska coach or a, a Matt Rule coach Nebraska football team? You know, well, I think you said it really well. You know, we can't control the results. We can't control the officials. We can't control the weather. We can't control the other team. But we can certainly be a team that that's really well prepared, that is paid dues, that shows up each and every game, that wants to play the game the right way. You know, we don't want to beat ourselves. We want to we want to control the line of scrimmage. We want to play great special teams. We want to run the football. Uh, we want to be great situationally. Um, and you know what? I, I want to be the type of team that if you come watch us play, you can't tell whether we're winning or losing. That we play the game one way because we love to play. We love to play for each other. We're nowhere close to that yet because we haven't built those connections and relationships yet. But we're making progress, and we're making pretty good progress, which I'm happy about. And where, where does that obsession with the process come from for you personally? You know, when I was, I was a, you know, I played for Joe Paterno, and that's what he was, and worked for Tom Coughlin, really that's who he was. And what I'd say to you is as early as a head coach my first year, we were 2-10, and 10, and at one point we were like 0-6. And, and, you know, you're sitting there, you're, you're like reading, uh, you know, Pete Carroll. You're reading, um, you know, you're reading uh, uh, Nick Saban, and, and you, you pretty soon learn, like, man, I can only control so many things. But if we play really hard and we do what we're supposed to do and we prepare really hard and we get to the game, man, we can just cut loose. And it's such a freeing feeling. And so um, I think when you listen to all the greats, man, I don't care if you're listening to, like, David Goggins or Jocko Willink. It's all, it's all just about, like, hey, no matter what the situation is, persevere and push through. And you know what? The results will come. And so um, – I've just adapted that. I've tried to do it. It's not always easy. It's sometimes it's unnatural. But process does not mean that you're, you think you're going to lose. It means that, man, you're going to do everything you can with every bit of your being to win. And um, that's something that we're trying to establish our process here right now. Um, it, as I said, it's not it's not there yet, but I, I like where we're, where we're at right now. So is Goggins and Jocko, are they in the podcast rotation for you a little bit here? Like getting in the office early, are they on the speaker for you? A hundred percent, man. I, uh, uh, you know, I, I haven't read Goggins' new book, but, um, you know, I, I just think those guys are, those guys are elite. And I, you know, again, I like to listen to all kinds of people. If I'm going to spend some time listening to something, unless it's a little Dave Matthews or Chris Stapleton, uh, I'm going to listen to someone else tell me how they were successful and so I can see how I can apply it. There you go. When it comes to that culture and protecting that culture in modern college football, obviously everyone's going to talk about player mobility and the transfer portal. So how do you go about, in your mind, protecting that culture when there's so much moving pieces throughout college football? Well, I, I think 
young people are, are they want to be in a positive, stable, transparent environment. And so my, I can't control who wants to be here and who doesn't. Um, I, but I've never been able to control that. Guys could transfer forever. They could go to FCS. They could, they could leave and file a waiver. My thing has always been if, if someone doesn't want to be here and they don't want this level of what we do, then that's okay. We, we, we don't want them to be here if they're unhappy. My job is to build a program that people want to be in. I, my job is to build a program where people feel valued and they feel like they're being poured into. And so um, we're, we're going we're gonna to try to do it that way. And I believe that more guys will stay than won't. The guys who won't, we still love them. We want them to go be happy. And uh, when the time comes, if someone does leave, now we have a chance, a mechanism with the transfer portal to go out and get somebody else. We're going to be mainly a high school recruiting team. We're not going to be a huge transfer portal team. But we'll take guys at the right time in the right places. And, um, again, to me, it's all about guys having a good experience while they're with us. Now, looking forward to spring football, what is the number one priority for you and this team to, to get the ball rolling headed into the fall? You know, we, we want to be a physical team. Uh, we want to tackle. We want to block. <laughs> we, want to, we want to run the football, stop the run, those kinds of things. So I think the biggest thing for me is establishing that culture of physicality. Um, you know, I, I believe in practicing in a competitive way. Uh, no one wants to go out there and just do drills all the time. We will do them because you need to do them. But I want to go compete, let the guys compete. And I also want to establish a culture of, man, like, we don't, we're not asking you to be perfect. Uh, we want you to make a ton of mistakes. I can't fix perfect. Make mistakes, correct them, don't be defensive. And so if we can be that type of team that's so much like, hey, what's next? Don't worry about what happened. And also a team that's really physical. When the season comes, we'll have our chances in games. And coach, you've been there for like 15 minutes speaking about recruiting at the high school level. Y'all had a top 30 class, got 28 guys in the 2023 class. If I'm a recruit watching this on YouTube or however I'm watching this, what is the pitch for you to get them to come to Lincoln and be a part of what you're building? Well, I think if they come here, um, it's a program that wakes up every day saying, hey, how can we make these guys better? Uh, you know, I was in the NFL. I had guys coming into me from all different places. I've seen a lot of programs, man. It's what can, what can you do for the program? And our program is more about what can the program do for you? Um, doesn't mean that we make it all about you, man. We're going we're gonna to hold you to a high standard, but we're, we're going to make sure you're the best that you can be academically, athletically. We want our guys to graduate. We want our guys to have great jobs afterwards. We want them to get master's degrees. We also want them to win championships, you know, be all Americans, get drafted, play in the NFL. Um, that's all we care about. I and mean, I've coached enough by now after 10 years. I'm really only here for the players. And so, Guys that want that, they want that, they want that love and that support, but also that accountability and standard. Uh, this is the right place for them. Well, coach, we appreciate you making time for us. I know you have a ton of things going. You got mat drills in the morning. I'm sure you have other media obligations, but appreciate you making time. And we're fired up to watch y'all get after it here in the spring and into the fall. Well, I'll say this to you. I don't, I don't watch very many things as I'm busy, but I, I've had a chance to watch you on this. And I think you do an elite job, man. So anytime you need me, just call me, brother. Appreciate it, coach. Thanks so much. You have a great one. I'm telling you, man, one of the best in the business. If you're in Nebraska, you, you don't need me to tell it. You just saw Coach Rule. You just heard what he talked about with what they want to be as a program with blocking and tackling and playing that style of football that you have long since waited for to come back to Lincoln. I'm telling you, give him some time. But I feel very confident about where that program's headed under head. I will just say this before we move on. I remember distinctly being at Baylor, and sitting in the locker room after a summer workout. And summer workouts, I'll just tell y'all, they're brutal. Like, it's hot. You're conditioning. You're also lifting after you condition. Like, those are, I would say, just a step below what winter workouts are in terms of intensity and, and all that. But my point in saying that is I remember sitting in my locker and having zero doubt that we were doing the right things to win. Baylor obviously ended up going and playing for a Big 12 title, ended up playing for a Sugar Bowl. Coach Rule got his chance at the NFL. Very excited he's back in college. If you have not yet liked or subscribed, if you want to see more of Coach Rule, want to see more Nebraska coverage, go ahead and hit the thumbs up button for us. Go ahead and subscribe. This is the people show. We want to hear from y'all, and we want to do more of what you want to see, but we appreciate y'all rocking with us. And, uh, again, appreciate Coach Rule for making some time out of his very busy schedule to come and hang out with us here on The Hard Count. Some nice little segue into what is the state of the Big Ten before spring practice gets rolling. Got our Big Ten pre-spring 
power rankings. Now, again, I want to stress this. These are subject to change. These are not predictions for the 2023 season. This is just how I see the conference's top five heading into spring practice. All right. At number five, got the Purdue Boilermakers. Now, they're under new management are the Boilermakers. Coach Ryan Walters coming over from the Fighting Illini, and he's going to be the head coach. Now, not only do you have a new head coach, you also have a very talented quarterback in Hudson Card. You got Devin Mockaby, who ran for almost 1,000 yards, just got him a nice little scully in that first team meeting. I'll just say this about Purdue. They played for a Big Ten title last year. I think they're sneaky. I think they're very sneaky. There's a lot of teams you probably could have put in that five spot. I would have listened to conversations about Maryland. I would have listened to conversations about Minnesota. Just from what they have at quarterback with Hudson Card and what they played like last year, I think they're sneaky. So keep an eye on Purdue in the Big Ten West. I also, quite frankly, I'm a little bit biased here based on that conversation we just had with Coach Rule. I would have listened to Nebraska in that five spot, okay? I would have listened, but I'm going to wait a little bit longer to see what they have under the hood in year one. But I'm telling you, Purdue at number five, keep an eye on the Boilermakers. At number four, how about the Wisconsin Badgers? To me, this is a team that is on boom watch. And when I say boom watch, I mean you better keep an eye on them throughout spring, throughout the early parts of the season. And they could be a team that pops right away because they've got some pieces that are really exciting to me. Luke Fickle just wins. Quite frankly, like he's won 70% of his career games as a head coach. You got Tanner Mordecai who can sling the pill like no other. Very much so an under the radar acquisition for them at quarterback because he played at SMU and wasn't playing on the Power 5 stage. Pairing his ability and his skill set with Phil Longo, the offensive coordinator coming over from North Carolina, I think that's a great match, okay? So you have the air raid ability of Wisconsin. Pair that with just who they've always been identity-wise of that tough physical football team. You'll have Braylon Allen toting the rock. Like You're going to have tough Wisconsin with the second layer of being able to throw the ball vertically. Now that's on paper. We're going to see how it meshes. It is just the first year, but Wisconsin, I think... Number four for us in the pre-spring ratings, rankings, but I like the Badgers a whole lot heading into spring practice. Now, if you have not yet subscribed, we'd love to have you a part of this operation. Also, follow me on Twitter as well as on Instagram so I can hear from y'all. Again, at JD Pacal, just a great medium to hear from y'all. My DMs stay wide open. At number three, the Penn State Nittany Lions. Now, Penn State is transitioning out of the Sean Clifford era, Okay. One of the most exciting 10 years any program's had. If you caught that, you caught that. But a lot of their top talent takes the next step. Charles Power, director of scouting and rankings here at On3, uses the verbiage. A lot of their top talent is going to, quote, cycle up, meaning they have a whole other offseason to get comfortable in the offense, to get comfortable in the defense, to get comfortable in just a college atmosphere in general. And they've got some really special guys. Nick Singleton, I think, has a real conversation this upcoming season to be one of the best backs, if not the best back in the entire country. Abdul Carter wears number 11 as a linebacker at Penn State. You and I both know they don't just hand out the double ones at State College. He popped last year. He's going to take another step forward this year as leader of that defense. You got Drew Aller. And this is really what it comes down to for me for Penn State in terms of how far they can go. Because I think they'll beat every team or at least be favored to beat every team at this point in the year outside of Ohio State and Michigan. Now, remember chemistry class where you're mixing elements together and just sort of seeing what happens? Like maybe the teacher had her or his back turned and you're just back there playing with elements. That, to me, is what Drew Aller is for Penn State. What does adding the element of Drew Aller mean for the concoction that is Penn State football? Is it going to cause the explosion? Is it going to cause this team to take that next step? Or is it just a little fizzle? and maybe take some time, and it sort of boils and simmers, and eventually you find out what it is. What, is it, what does it mean to add that to Penn State this year? Because Drew Aller is a special player, a special talent. Sean Clifford is super experienced, tons of ability, but from just purely what God gave Drew Aller, he has more of that than what Sean Clifford had. I'm not saying he's a better quarterback today or that he should have started over Sean Clifford last year. I'm not saying that, but from a tools perspective, that's why you get excited about what he could bring to this offense and to this team and taking that next step. Now at number two in our preseason power rankings, 
Got the Ohio State Buckeyes. If you're an Ohio State fan, maybe you feel like you should be number one, and that's fine if you feel that way. there's There's a very real case to be made. They have the most talented roster from a star's perspective in the entire conference. I think you can make a real conversation. It's top three in the entire country. What I'm curious to see about for them, do they take yet another step on defense and another step in terms of toughness? Because they had a great defense last year, but it wasn't tough enough to get over the hump against Michigan. And I'm using tough very broadly here. You can say physical. You can say mentally in terms of being able to play sound defense for the duration of four quarters against that tough, bruising Michigan run game. But you and I both know there has to be that next step for them. Because two years in a row, you have lost similar fashions to Michigan. Second half, the run game gets rolling, gets downhill, and that was the difference maker. But Ohio State, the encouragement should be, we have everything we need to beat Michigan from a personnel standpoint. From an approach standpoint, from an attitude standpoint, from a, from a culture perspective, we got to pay those dues right now, man. In winter conditioning, we have to put in what it's going to require to win this conference. More than likely, winning the conference looks like beating Michigan the last game of the year and setting yourself up with a nice date in the Big Ten title game, which they will, again, probably be favored in if they find themselves in that position. Kyle McCord set up with a nice little quarterback derby, little quarterback battle with Devin Brown. And Devin Brown, five-star coming out of high school, was the number one player actually in his class for us here at On3. But I do believe this will be Kyle McCord's job. Everyone close to that program is communicating that it is his job to lose. Now, I don't think we'll get an answer on if it's his job or not until fall camp, just the way that Ryan Day does things. But it's going to be on him as well to keep quota with what they want to do offensively. You're throwing to Ferraris, man. Like you're throwing to some of the best receivers in the country. Marvin Harrison Jr. is about to take college football by storm again. We told you actually this time last year he was going to be a breakout player. So we told y'all and y'all saw that and a lot of y'all probably already knew that, but he's throwing to ballers. Can he just keep from crashing this offense? I don't think he needs to be CJ Stroud. I don't think he needs to be overly special, but can he keep quota with what they need to do offensively with Brian Hartline now getting the sticks as the offensive coordinator? So Ohio State currently for us heading into the spring is the number two team in our power rankings for the Big Ten Conference. Now at number one, to quote Conor McGregor, the heavyweight champs do what they want. Back-to-back heavyweight champs, that is Michigan, is our number one team in the Big Ten pre-spring power rankings. And for the reasons I just said, they are back-to-back, y'all. Like, they have dropped the mic for two years in a row. Different quarterback, different coordinators, don't matter. Jim Harbaugh doing what Jim Harbaugh does and breeding a culture and an approach, especially on the offensive side of how they're going to do things. They're going to be more physical. They're going to play with an edge. They're going to wear you down. That's who Michigan is. Sharon Moore has built just ferocious offensive lines with big human beings two years in a row, back-to-back Joe Moore Award winners. That's who they are. Now, where they could be even more dangerous, and we saw it a little bit at the end of last year, especially the Ohio State game, as they become more multiple, as J.J. McCarthy continues to grow and progress and become more comfortable as a passer, the sky's the limit for this Michigan team. And they're number one in our Big Ten pre-spring power rankings. They expect to be number one in the Big Ten. They expect to make the college football playoff. And Blake Corum got on the mic at a Michigan basketball game and said, we're going to be the national champs. Now, I love that edge, man. That's who they are. They're going to talk that talk, and then when it comes to the fall, they're going to walk the walk, and they've done that two years in a row. Now, for Michigan, though, you, you set the goal before you. You speak it into existence, okay, but now there's no sneaking up on anybody. There is no, what is Michigan going to be? We know what Michigan's going to be. Like, there's some question marks, sure, about are they going to hire another OC to go with Sharon Moore, and how much better does J.J. McCarthy get, and how do they replace some of the pieces they lost? They got a lot of pieces coming back, y'all. Like, Michigan, I think we have a very good gauge for who they're going to be. Can they execute at the level they did a year ago? And that game, the last game of the year, man, I, I fully anticipate Nick Brake and I being there in Ann Arbor when Ohio State comes to town and you go for a third in a row against the Buckeyes. That, to me, will determine the Big Ten as it has the last two years. So Michigan at number one, Ohio State at two, 
Penn State at three, the Wisconsin Badgers. They're on boom watch. They're at number four for me. And for Purdue, I find them in that five spot. Would have taken other suggestions, but Purdue with Hudson Card, Ryan Walters, just a sneaky team, played for the title a year ago. They're my fifth team right now in the power rankings, heading into the spring for the Big Ten Conference. That's going to be a fun conference to watch. Like, there is no bad conference in college football. And some of y'all are saying, Pac-12 this, ACC that. Like, I, I hear you, but from an entertainment standpoint, I could be convinced to watch any number of those conference games. I don't think you're pulling up a slate and saying, uh, I don't want to watch Michigan-Penn State today. I don't want to watch Nebraska go after Purdue today. Like, it's all good football across that conference, man, and I'm very excited. I'm telling you, spring games are going to be here before you know it. Spring Intel on this show, on this channel, so make sure you're subscribed. Hit the thumbs up button for us here real quick as we keep this thing moving, but football, man, it doesn't stop. College football takes zero breaks, and that's why we get to have this channel, why we get to have this show. Really quickly, also, shout out to the podcast, man. If you're watching right now, I'm looking a little bit above the camera because I'm looking to the back row of the concert. Everybody watching live is like the mosh pit, and we just get after it here. Like, this is where y'all are. You're up front. You can, you can hear the music. You can, you can experience it a little more fully. But how many of you know when you get a concert ticket and you're in the nosebleeds, you really got to be about that life. And that's the podcast for us. So whether you're listening on Apple, whether you're listening on Spotify, we appreciate y'all, man. It's all in the family. Appreciate y'all joining the program. Shout out to all our new listeners, too. A lot of y'all came here just because we had Matt Rule on the show. Welcome home. Welcome home. You have found your spot for college football content, not just during the fall, not just during the dark days of winter and spring. Like, no, we got you covered year round. Okay. So we appreciate you rocking with us again, content year round every single day. We talk about college football. This show is live twice a week. Hit the subscribe button, hit the bell for us so we can keep on rolling here. We talked about offensive coordinators a little bit earlier in this show. Let's keep that theme rolling. Shall we? Todd Munkin, Offensive coordinator for previously Georgia Bulldogs is now taking the same position with the Baltimore Ravens. A few moments passed, maybe like a five Mississippi count until you said, you know what, Mike Bobo, offensive assistant, you're now going to be once again the offensive coordinator for the Georgia Bulldogs. So looking forward to the future for this team, what does this mean? What does this mean for Georgia? We got to unpack this first, I think, from a Todd Munkin perspective. We talked about it a little bit on an individual video, but for y'all that are live right now and in the podcast, we'll keep it rolling. You can't blame Todd Munkin. I don't think anybody in Georgia circles blames Todd Munkin for making the decision that is best for him. Like he wants to go and be an NFL head coach one day is what I've been told. The path to doing that is being an offensive coordinator in the league. Okay, so for Todd Munkin, college football just continues to become a more and more rigorous year-round affair. Recruiting doesn't stop. NIL doesn't stop. Also, you got to re-recruit your own roster. Like, it's a grind, man. And if you want to be an NFL head coach, if that's the last professional box that you have yet to check, more power to you. So we appreciate Todd Munkin. We support Todd Munkin. And I think the majority of UGA fans would agree with that sentiment. Now, Mike Bobo has been a controversial figure when he was named the OC at Georgia. And some of this is optics. I was listening to Aaron Murray talk about this a little bit. People have issues with different snapshots in their mind. They call it like third and Bobo, like maybe having an issue with a certain play call on third and six or third and five and feeling like it wasn't the right way to go. I understand that. I'm an emotional person. I, I am as much fan as I am analyst, as I was player. Like, I get it. I 100% get it. But when we approach a coaching change, I think the best way to do that is to use logic. So we put the pitchforks down, put emotion aside for just a second. Let's look at logic. You don't have to be blindly all in on this, but what's going to make or break Georgia in 2023? What will be the reason why they do or don't win a national title for the third year in a row? My personal opinion on this is quarterback play. You won the last two with Stetson Bennett. Stetson Bennett's gone to the league. You're going to have somebody playing quarterback. Now, it's going to either be Gar Carson Beck, uh, Gunnar Stockton, could be Brock Vandergriff, all good options. But what is Mike Bobo most credited for? What is he most known for? Being a QB whisperer. Worked with Matt Stafford. Was the coordinator for Aaron Murray when he pretty much owns all the SEC passing records for a career. Like, 
if we're putting two and two together here, Mike Bobo, from a quarterback perspective, might be what you need. Now, again, I am not telling you have to be blindly all in on this, but to say he doesn't have a positive track record or any positive things on his track record is just not true. Look at the numbers here. In 2012, was the OC for Georgia. Averaged 37 points a game. That'll win you some ball games. Okay, 2013, yet again, 37 points a game. Did the Georgia offense average. Now, you lose Aaron Murray, okay? So you say there's going to be a drop-off, right? What's going to happen? No, 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 no. You averaged 41 points a game in 2014. So the proof is in the pudding there, y'all. Like, I understand the snapshots bother you. I understand there is certain memories you have associated with Mike Boba. But when you look at the data, when we use logic purely, there's some things to like there with Mike Bobo. He's coached successful offenses. Even more importantly, in my opinion, he's coached successful quarterbacks. You don't have to be blindly all in, but the logic is there that supports Mike Bobo and coach some ball now. Really quickly, I got more thoughts on this, but if you have not, uh, if you have not yet subscribed, excuse me, I'm getting too excited. We'd love to have you a part of this party. We'd love to have you a part of this community. Follow me on socials, at Judy Pakel, on Twitter, as well as on Instagram. Throw us a thumbs up while you're at it. I appreciate it. Now, the issue you may have, you say, well, hey, look at what he did at South Carolina. Look at what he did at Auburn. Those weren't success stories. Those don't fire me up. Those don't inspire passion or optimism from a fan. I feel you. I hear what you're saying. But again, context. We've got to consider some context here. Do you blame a CEO when he takes over a failing business and they experience a loss of profit in year one? No. The business was already failing. 2021, Auburn already had issues. We saw what they ended up being under Brian Harson. No offense to Brian Harson. South Carolina, they were in a bad way. When he took that thing over, it wasn't like they were trending upward. He was trying to flip it around. So we got to consider context. You look at Auburn, you look at South Carolina, you compare it to what they have on offense at Georgia? Dominique Lovett? The best player in college football for my money, Brock Bowers? Like, come on now. Come on now. When he's had guys, when he's had personnel on his team, he's done well. Aaron Murray, Nick Chubb. When you have the Jimmys and Joes, you're in good position to execute the X's and the O's. And I feel confident that Mike Bobo has got the Jimmys and Joes to get it done. I would also say this, the schedule itself for Georgia, let's take a look at that. You're set up for success. Like the first four games you play, UT Martin, you play Ball State, you got South Carolina sprinkled in there, then also got UAB. Who's the toughest game on this schedule for Georgia? What's going to be just the, the pencil-in loss for Georgia? I don't know that I see one. At Tennessee is going to be the toughest game you play, likely. Florida's a bit of a question mark. It'll be a neutral site, rivalry game. Never want to count that out. That'll be maybe an interesting game. You get Ole Miss at home, but I don't see Bama. Oklahoma, they tried to schedule. They're not on the schedule right now, thanks to the NCAA. You hear what I'm saying. It's not going to just be the gauntlet for Mike Bubbo in this offense. Now, if you don't do what you're supposed to do with all that personnel and this schedule, like, okay, we can have a conversation. But I'm telling you, the, the external variables are set up to favor Mike Bobo and to favor this offense. So what I'm trying to tell you, if you have issues with Mike Bobo, if you don't want to believe in Mike Bobo, that's cool. The competition is not going to be that tough until you play Tennessee, really, or until you play Florida, depending on how you want to look at this. It's not going to be a murderer's row. Now, I would also tell you that Kirby Smart could have gotten somebody else. Like, you get a call from Kirby Smart, you're at least taking it if you're a potential OC. He had options. He could have had options if he wanted options. He chose to keep it internal. He chose to go with somebody he trusts as Mike Bobo. So to some degree, you got to say, all right, do I trust Kirby Smart? Do I trust his judgment? Has he steered us to stray the last couple of years when we're, when we're hoisting national titles? A lot of people weren't super fired up when he went with Stetson Bennett over JT Daniels either, and it worked out okay. This is the next phase of being a dominant program in college football. We've seen Alabama deal with this for years. When you have success 
at the level that Georgia's having success at right now, when you are the cream of the crop in college football, people want to take your people and bring them to their program. They want to try and bottle up just a little bit of that Kirby Smart magic and bring it to their program. How you adapt now is what Georgia's going to be. Todd Munkin, NFL wanted him. Can't blame the NFL. Can't blame the Baltimore Ravens. The next step now is adapting and evolving and keeping your process, your structure the same as you move forward. So you don't have to be all in on Mike Bobo. That's fine. But let's use some logic. Let's look at what he has done successfully. Let's look at what is required at Georgia going into 2023. Little QB specialist. I think there's a little bit more optimism here that's reasonable than maybe what's being given right now. All right? Schedule set up for success. I think they're going to be okay. I don't think Georgia's going to be in trouble with Mike Bobo calling the plays. All right? So rest easy in Athens. I'm telling you, man, there's, there's been no shortage of storylines in college football. Notre Dame getting an OC. Miami getting an OC. Georgia getting an OC. A lot to talk about in this beautiful game. We appreciate y'all rocking with us, and y'all know how we do it. If y'all are new to the program, you can submit questions to me at my Twitter page. Throw me a follow, at JD Piquel. We pull from those on a showly basis, if that's even a word we can use, and just kind of sift through those and want to hear your thoughts, feelings, concerns that are college football-centric. I call it college football therapy. That's what we want to have right now. So bringing in the man, the myth, the legend, heavy lifter extraordinaire, Pride of Owensboro, Kentucky, Nick Heavy Lifter Break. Nick, how we doing, my guy? What's up, JD? And hey, um, everyone watching, I know I've, I've been in the chat for the last hour or so, you know, kind of nudging you all to hit the like button, but please do. It helps us. Subscribe if you haven't. Uh, JD, it's got a lot more cool interviews coming uh, your way in the next couple of days, so uh, in the next couple of weeks, too, so. Nick, should we tell them? Should we tell them who we who we got cooked up for them? Actually, yeah, who, who I think we got probably go a little bit. Yeah, probably should. Let's say let's get one more like in here, and then we'll tell <laughs> y'all who like we who we got going next. on. For for those of y'all, oh man, y'all are quick. Uh, oh appreciate wow, okay, hey, you. appreciate <laughs> you, man. Okay, go, we hit hundred. Some job, of y'all were saying this before the show even got started because we teased it. We teased it on our last live show. The order shuffled a little bit on us. We got Shane Beamer, head coach of South Carolina. I told you before, I would, I would commit to him. I would commit to him if I had any eligibility left. Walk-on scholarship don't matter. We talk about that as well, actually, in the interview. But Shane Beamer will be on the show. We'll be airing our one-on-one -on -one interview with Coach Beamer on Tuesday. So come right back here, subscribe, hit the bell, and we're going to have that ready for you. So we appreciate y'all rocking with us and making this whole Absolutely. thing happen. But Shane Beamer is the next guest for us on the hard count. And I'll say this, too. Uh, Nick, he's not the last one. He's he, not. He, he's not the last That's one. That's awesome. Per sources. So the streets are saying. Sources. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, hey, what do you say we get to some, uh, some tweets from our, from our faithful uh, followers? Gosh, I would I'm love kidding. that so much. Uh, from, I would love that so much. Here we go. We got a good one right here. Ethan, what does LSU have to do this upcoming year in order to ensure consecutive wins over Alabama? That's a tough one, J.D. Ethan, step into the office, my guy. Take a seat. College football therapy. It's in session. It's fair to want this. I would say it's even, in some ways, fair to be optimistic about this. Beating Bama twice in a row is a tall, tall task. Now, how do you do it? The defense has to take even another step. And Harold Perkins is going to be on a lot of these preseason magazine covers, and you're going to find him on a lot of Heisman hot boards. If a defensive player were to win it, like Harold Perkins is special. Do not get it twisted. To me, though, for LSU to... Go back-to-back -back against Bama. I need Jaden Daniels to get in his Duffy, man. I need him to take another step as a passer. And some of that, I think, is his offensive line allowing him more time. Because they played with, like, two true freshmen on the offensive line last year. It wasn't like he had all day back there to throw. I believe he's shown he can be a consistent passer. So I'll, I'll kind of couple this and say, Jaden Daniels being a consistent downfield passer that goes with pulling the trigger downfield which some LSU fans were a little bit irritable with him last year for not taking enough shots downfield so we'll pair that along with the offensive line continuing to gel they played really well down the stretch last year but I want to see that from game one all the way through have some consistency and if you can do that that's going to give you a chance to beat Bama now some of this obviously with it being a matchup depends on what Bama's going to have at quarterback and how they mesh under a new OC and a DC so It'll be a blast to watch that one. 
I believe it's in Tuscaloosa this year. I'm sure that Nick Saban is uh, providing tons of bulletin board material for his team in Tuscaloosa, but that'll be fun. Nick, who knows? Maybe we'll be at that one, I man. I was going to say the who same knows? thing. Who knows? Be, be that there. could be on the tour. We'll see, man. Yep. Absolutely. Great question, Ethan. Next thoughts. question uh, coming from City or Buff City. It's Brian. Does Washington and Oregon need to move out of the Pac-12 to stay relevant? Could a move to the Big 12 or the Big 10 even be possible for these two teams? So the interesting piece with this question is – the media money that I think is, is being talked about here is substantially more in the Big Ten than it is other places. And so the reason why I think this question is interesting, if Coach Prime has success at Colorado, there's going to be a lot of programs knocking down the door and saying, we want Coach Prime, we'll pay whatever to get him here, we want him running our operation, okay? So for Colorado, how do you combat that? How do you try and play defense against that? Got to be able to pay him. And how do you pay him? You get more money, and the Big Ten could be a way to do that. The Big Ten media rights deal, like I said, it's lucrative. Now, I don't pretend to know all the ins and outs of this. I don't pretend to know exactly how that would work. But if we're just speaking hypotheticals here, that could be a good way to keep Deion Sanders. Now, I don't know if the Big Ten's looking to add Colorado. The Big 12 makes a lot of sense. But I think from a money standpoint, if you want to keep Coach Prime, go into the Big Ten, I see the logic. Now, that there's a lot of ifs and ands and buts and allegedly there, but that's just kind of the thought process I'm having here with this thought exercise. Uh, truly, I think the Big 12 is buying right now. The Big, Ten, the Big 12 is buying. Uh, the Pac-12 is buying. The Big 10 is sitting a little bit more comfortably when it comes to the musical chairs analogy that we use here quite frequently, but I don't think they're done expanding either. I think there'll be more teams that eventually get added to the Big 10, so... If you can figure it out, Colorado, that'd be awesome. I mean, I think the Big Ten's probably a place a lot of teams would like to be now just from a dollars and cents standpoint, which is kind of what the realignment game is about right now. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's my two cents, Nick. Great question. Yep, absolutely. Great question. Yeah. Is that it for us here? That's it. Just two today. Um, yeah, don't forget to come back on Tuesday, friends. Good deal, man. Good deal. Well, y'all, thank you so much for rocking with us. If you have not yet liked the video, go ahead and do that on the way out the door. Make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you hit the bell. We're still sort of nailing down some scheduling with this live show. And y'all subscribing, y'all liking, y'all getting at us in the comment section, getting at me on Twitter and on Instagram. That's the way for us to do this the best, to incorporate you into this. Again, the people's show. Fired up. Fired up for what's to come. We had Matt Rule today. We got Shane Beamer on Tuesday. The party is just getting started. College football, man, it don't take no breaks. And y'all don't either. College football diehards, we love y'all. We appreciate y'all. We are going to keep the party rolling, and we will see y'all next time. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.